Hello and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. This week I have been chatting to Siobhan Nicholson. Siobhan had a very successful tennis career. She had career high rankings in the top 300 singles and around 300 doubles as well. During the chat, I talked to Siobhan about Fed Cup, about US College, about winning the Seniors World Championships in 2019. And we also talked a little bit about Siobhan's day job that is not in tennis, but is related to tennis a little bit, as, as you will find out early on in the chat. I really enjoyed talking to Siobhan, and I think you will find this to be an interesting episode. Without further ado, here we go. Here is Siobhan Nicholson. All right, Siobhan, a big thanks for coming on to talk today. How are things with you? Um, Adam, it's, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Things are good. It's um, a little bit warm over here in, in England, but I believe it is in Ireland as well. But yeah, everything's um, ticking along and it's nice to be back on the tennis court a lot more these days. Absolutely. And, and as you say, very hot at the moment. So we're enjoying the good weather. Um, and I, I just wanted to start, Siobhan, by asking a bit about, about the work you do that I know you work kind of in, in I guess, in, in the technology world, but also there's a bit of a crossover with, with tennis for you. So just tell me a little bit about the, the work you do and how it relates to tennis and how that kind of all started for you. Yeah, so um, I, I work full time for IBM. Um, and my current role is I work in public sector. I'm in what they call um, pre-sales technical role and I work as a, an IT architect. The, the beauty of working for, for IBM is um, in my 24 years at IBM, I've actually worked 24 years um, on the Wimbledon project. So in, in some ways it's an ideal job for me. It's like my dream job because during the two weeks of the championships, um, I get to work at Wimbledon for IBM um, and I get to do a mix of technology um, and my tennis skills, which is ideal for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's fascinating and great that I guess the tennis connection can stay. Um, now tell me, just as we kind of get into your, your tennis story, you, you obviously you were born and kind of you lived in, in Wimbledon near, near London and obviously you also did represent Ireland. So just explain to me, I guess, your connection to Ireland and how you came to be playing in Ireland for Ireland and then I guess the, the GB connection is a bit more obvious. Yeah, so, um, well, with a name like Siobhan and, and having red hair, uh, um, I really do pass as an Irish person, apart from my accent, which is very English. Um, my parents were from, from Ireland and actually all my um, relations are Irish. My dad was from Galway and my mum was from Donegal. And um, when my eldest brother, Michal, was was three, they moved to... England really for work and, and I think the goal was really to, to, to go back to Ireland but it never happened and how I got involved with like playing tennis in Ireland and, and eventually playing tennis for Ireland my, um, my, my dad sadly passed away when I was, was nine and I was the youngest of, of, of three and I hand on heart I think that he would have wanted me to play for Ireland so a, a big part of me choosing to play for Ireland was really for him and and also it, it's quite hard when you're growing up when all your relations are Irish for them to get excited about you saying that you're playing for England so it was also part of it was getting that extra support and I think the first time I played in Ireland was at Junior Fitz under 14 so so back in 1980 um, and really I, I 
I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, I wasn't so familiar with Dublin at the time because I was used to going to, to, to Galway and Donegal. And I really enjoyed it. And I think that was what started me to want to try and play some tournaments in, in Ireland. And at the time, um, I hadn't even thought about playing for, for, for Ireland internationally because really I wasn't necessarily good enough to, to make the Irish team. Um, but what happened when I was 16, um, I was doing quite well in uh, the UK and I got picked to play for Great Britain under 16. And I think it was at that stage that I realized that whatever my decision was, um, that was gonna have to be the same decision for, for all of my kind of junior and possibly senior career. And I, I talked to my mom about it and I talked to my coach at the time. And the key thing they said to me was that you have to make the decision, Siobhan, because you're the one that's going to live with it one way or the other. And so I thought long and hard about it. And, and deep down, um, I really felt more Irish than I did English. Um, and so I declared for Ireland and I politely turned down the invite to play for, for Great Britain. Um, I talked to the, the, the lead of the women's tennis at the LTA and, and explained to her my decision. And she was very... She was very pleased for me and very pleased that I was completely transparent and honest with her. So that was the start of me playing for Ireland. I played under 16 in the Queen's Cup, I think it was in 1982, and we played in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess as you do then, you know, you're, you're kind of getting to the end of junior days almost at that stage. So do you, do you move to Ireland at all? Are you still based in England? And, and how does that kind of the rest of your junior days kind of competing internationally go? So I was based in England mainly because I carried on with schooling and I was at school um, in, in Wimbledon. And then I actually did um, my A-levels in Hammersmith and West London College so that I could practice at Queen's Club. So I had to change the setup quite a bit in that um, I was no longer getting any funding from, from the LTA, which is completely um, the right thing to do. Um, so, so what I, I mainly did was I would train and practice in, in London, but then I did go over to Ireland a lot more to play a lot more tournaments, both in kind of at Easter time and, and the summertime. So, so really from the age of 16 was when I started playing more and more tournaments in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And I guess then as you get to, to 18 is when I suppose you start looking at maybe turning pro, but you end up going to US college. So tell me a little bit about that decision for you to, to to go to the US? Yeah, so I, um, after I finished school at 18, I'd, I'd finished my A-levels and I, I just wanted to play tennis. I, I didn't want to do schooling or anything. And I remember my mum saying to me that, you know, you can do it for a little while, but eventually we need to make sure you've got an education so that you can actually do, she would call it a proper job um, afterwards. And so she let me take a year out um, after I finished my A-levels. And I used that year to play tournaments in, um, in America and, and in Europe and also more tournaments in Ireland. And it was during that year that I went to, um, I played some tournaments in, in San Antonio in Texas. 
And I really, really liked um, a university there called Trinity. And I wanted to go there, but in order to go there, I had to take the SAT exams. So I took my SAT exams, I applied to Trinity, but unfortunately I didn't actually get in um, because they didn't have any scholarships left. And it was during the, the summer of 1985, I, I spoke to a few people that were um, in, in London because they had, um, they had players that were, were playing in the tournaments leading up to, to, to Wimbledon. And I said, look, if there's any scholarships or any universities that are looking for people, I'm, I'm interested. And, it, and really it was, a lot of luck that I got into University of Florida at that time because the coach, whose name was Andy Brandy, was coaching a girl called Catherine Rinaldi at the time. And he had just been let down um, by, uh, by one of the girls that he was given a scholarship to. So there wasn't a very long period of time between June and August. And he um, came and watched me play. I had a good day. And he, he basically said to me that he would like to offer me a scholarship. In those days, you didn't have the internet. I didn't know anything about University of Florida. But what I did say to, to my mum at the time, I said, look, I will go. And if it really isn't for me, or if I'm not enjoying it, or if it's not a good university, um, I will, after the first year, just say, you know, thanks very much. Um, I'm, I'm homesick. I'll go to university in London and kind of, forget the idea of, of playing tennis full time. And so it was pure luck. But then when I got out there, it was absolutely fantastic. And, and from the, the, the kind of the day I arrived and the first day I went to, down to the tennis courts and the whole setup of all the different sports and all the different athletes and the facilities and, and the weather, although it was very warm, it just... It, it just felt right. And I actually ended up staying at University of Florida for five years. So I, I, I loved my time out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think from, from that time was, was the, the biggest thing you learned from, from experiences there that you kind of took with you going forward? So I, I, th I think it was a lot to do with the fitness. It was that the program was set up so that you could continue your education um, but it was very organized, you know, practice sessions. You had, you had what they call a weight trainer. So you could go to the gym and they would make sure that you were doing the right weights. You had all of the, the kind of the fitness side, whether it was doing kind of sprint training on the court or whether it was going for um, longer distance runs. And then you had the, had the kind of what I would call maintenance side where you had fantastic access to, to physios to trainers so that, you know, you really had every opportunity to not only practice hard, but kind of recover well. And you had the, the, the full support network and you didn't have to think about, um, well, who am I going to practice with or what am I going to practice with this week? It was very organized. Um, and just the standard of, of, of matches that you played and the, the schedule and, and everything. There was just so much organizing that was taken away from you that really all you had to do was stay healthy, stay fit and keep passing your, your courses so that you were eligible to play. Yeah. So it was, for me, it was 
a massive eye-opener. It was perfect for me because there was structure and I was able to continue with my education as well as play a very high level of, of tennis. Yeah, yeah. So is that something you kind of very much kept up as you went into the pro days of, I guess, the fitness and the training? And was that something that stayed important to you? Absolutely, because it was it was something that I realised you're not going to get the results unless you put the prep in. And the prep um, includes the, the, the training side of it, you know, on the tennis court, off the tennis court, but also the recovery and, and the fuel and the food that you eat. It was it, it just it definitely all of the, the practices and the kind of the routines that I used to go um, through in, in America really put me in good stead. And um, for, for everything I do since, actually, and it, I think for me, having that in that time of my life also gave me longevity to not only enjoy tennis for um, a long time, but to, to keep playing and kind of understand more about playing uh, uh, as I went along. Yeah, yeah. And I guess now as, as we move in a little bit into, into the pro side of, of those days for you, what, what were a couple of the, maybe the highlights or the, the hardest things about that life or the, your favourite things about that lifestyle for those years? Yeah, so I, I played professionally for, I played full time uh, for three years from 1990 to 93. And part of it was that I realised that I had this huge opportunity for once in my life where I did, I wasn't focusing on education and tennis. I wasn't mm -hmm. trying to do the two. I had a degree behind me and I now had this opportunity to just play full time. And, and part of me thought that if I don't do it, I, I will regret it. And so having the, the, the fallback plan and having that plan B was really important to me. I did have um, the opportunity when I was at college one of the summers in, I think it was 1988, the summer, I actually had a really good run in some pro tournaments. Well, there were, there were ITF tournaments. I was obviously an amateur, but I won two $10,000 tournaments in Portugal. And I was getting a bit of pressure from people that were at the tournaments. Well, why are you going back to college? Why don't you go kind of pro? And, and part of me was very tempted, but again, um, my mum was saying, no, you've got to get an education behind me. And the one thing that, that I kind of regret at that point in time was I never got that third tournament to get a ranking. So I had mm, yeah. these really big points from winning two $10,000 tournaments, but I never got the third. And I think that if I had either invested or worked away to try and get that third tournament to get a ranking, it would have been a little bit easier to maintain it because the, the hardest thing is starting out trying to get on the, the, the ranking list at the beginning. So when in 1990 I, I was playing full time, it really was a matter of going to some places that I probably wouldn't have chosen to go to, but you were kind of following to try and get into qualifying or to have a good chance of getting into um, the main draw. So for me, one of the massive benefits um, in 1990 was Gina Nyland, who was a lot younger than I was, was actually thinking about, you know, playing full time as well. 
And although we didn't know each other that well and we hadn't played on any teams um, with each other at that point, we decided that we would try and go to tournaments, um, that to the same tournament so that we had that camaraderie, we had that um, the, the practice partner. Um, and so I think the first two tournaments we went to were um, in Morocco, in Meknes and, and Fez. And, and that really was a massive thing for me to have somebody to, to kind of, to meet there. You may not always be able to travel because you might be coming from different places, but just to meet there, to share a room with, to have somebody to practice with. And I think that really helped both of us because out of those first two tournaments, we got some points, which then kind of starts you on your journey. And then I think that, that the highlight of, of kind of playing full time, and this is aside from, you know, winning the tournaments in, in, in Ireland, which I, I did take a lot of kind of pleasure in, in, in some of those tournaments and they were big achievements for me. I think that the highlight in the pro was, was really when you, you were getting to those semis or the final or winning those $10,000 tournaments. And that really helped. And, and the, the first tournament that Gina and I played doubles in, we actually won in, in Mechanez. Um, so not only were you getting onto the singles ranking, but you were also getting into the, the doubles ranking. And by doing that, that kind of helped you then choose a little bit more where you wanted to go or when you wanted to play rather than having to keep playing all, all the time just to get on the on the ranking list so yeah. for me i i loved playing i probably would have kind of um carried on longer but i was really conscious that in some ways i didn't want to just keep playing because i couldn't do anything else and i kind of got to a stage where i had achieved a lot of things that I was very, very grateful for, um, but it was time for me to use my degree. So, so that was really the driver behind switching. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, it's great, as you said, to have been able to travel with Gina and have kind of a partner with you was almost made a big difference. But then to move on to Fed Cup, and I guess probably you would have been around with Gina, I, I would imagine a bit there as well. So tell me kind of what Fed Cup playing for Ireland meant to you and some of those highlights for you and kind of how the team, you found, you found the team, team tennis again. I guess after college, you kind of got back to team tennis a bit. Yeah, so I, my first year that I played Fed Cup was 1983. So um, I was only 17 at the time to make the team and I, I got on the team because I, I won the Irish close um, that year. And Fed Cup is massive. It's like the pinnacle of playing for your country. And so it was a big honour to, to, to be picked. Um, and, and I think some of my happiest memories were with Fed Cup because a lot of the time, tennis is such an individual sport that just having that opportunity to come together as a team, again, to practice as a team, and to be cheering each other on as a, as a team is absolutely massive. And also, when I was playing Fed Cup, the format was different to how it is now, although that, that they are changing towards it, in that it was a week-long event. Mm. So, so um, playing for Ireland in Fed Cup, you, you got to see like the, the kind of the Steffi graphs, the, the Martinez, um, Navratilova, Hannah Manlikova, you got to see all these top players, Chris Everett, 
um, playing for their country. So it was, it was a massive boost to not only kind of be representing your country, but to, to, to see the, the ultimate top players and see them up close and see how good they are and, and really how far off you were and, and kind of a gauge. And, and Fed Cup um, through the years was, was really quite strong in that there was a lot of years that we were in the qualifying. So although we were in the qualifying, it was held at the same venue as the main mm, event and it yeah. just started like a day or two earlier. So you still got the feel of it. Um, and they always had kind of playback or consolation events. So it wasn't like you went there and, and it was just one, um, one match if you were uh, unlucky enough to not win the first match. It was that there was a continuation of matches. And so I did really, really enjoy it. And I think the possibly my, my favourite, there were, there were lots of really happy memories with, with, with Fed Cup. And also I was lucky enough because I went to America in the middle, I had a mixture of people where I played Fed Cup with. It wasn't always the same people. So it was a really special time to get to know, know um, the new people coming up. I think my favourite Fed Cup was in Nottingham 91. It was the last year that it was held as a week-long event. And Gina, myself, and Fiona Long were, were on the team. And there was, a, there was some interesting memories. So, so one was we, we lost on, in the, the first round of the um, main event and we played in the constellation. And we basically got to the final of the constellation, which was the furthest or the most number of matches we'd won in any of the Fed Cups I'd played in. And we only just lost to Norway 2-1. It was on the doubles in three sets. And I, I really, I did really enjoy playing Fed Cup with um, Gina because Gina had this, this, this way about her that she could lose to people when it was just her playing against them. But when she got in a team environment, you could say to Gina, Gina, we need your match because it's unlikely I'm going to win mine or, or um, you know, we're going to struggle in the doubles or something. And she, she's kind of like, she just nodded her head and she said, okay. And she, she would do it. She just, yeah. under pressure, she was the, the, the best player that I, I've probably played with for, for Ireland. We had, we've got a lot of good players that I've played. I mean, Leslie, with her longevity of playing, is, is amazing. We had Jenny Thornton, who was, you know, fantastic and, and worked so hard. Rona Howard was, was so talented and a beautiful player. But Gina kind of was a compound of, of all of that. Yeah. And the other thing that I loved about Nottingham, uh, which isn't really true with the tennis, but we were, we were given some, a budget by Tennis Island to um, buy our outfits because at the Fed Cup, you went out as a team and you all had like a, a team outfit. And this, in 91, we didn't have a team outfit. So myself, Fiona Long and Gina went to uh, Grafton Street in Pamela Scott's and we bought ourselves these outfits that was, we couldn't find anything that was, they had all our size, we didn't have much time or all the same color. 
And we ended up buying these kind of, we thought they were smart, these, these suits, um, a skirt and a jacket. One was in white, one was in green, and one was in kind of orange, or you could, let's call it gold. And so basically we dressed up as the tricolor and we loved our outfits. And then it was just a matter of who was gonna wear what color. So just little things that they generate such happy memories and such lasting friendship. And you get a lot of that from um, kind of Fed Cup. And my last Fed Cup that I, I played in was um, in Nottingham in 93, but this was like the European zone. And Claire Curran and um, Karen Nugent were on the team. So it's kind of a changing of the guard to, to, to the next generation. So that was the beauty of Fed Cup, a combination of just the, the pinnacle of representing your country, something to be really proud of. And um, doing it over so many years, I just got to make so many friends and meet so many people. Yeah, no, great. And like, I guess unbelievable. I guess, like some of those memories, I guess, that you have and the fact that Fed Cup gave you those is 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 brilliant and all the different teams you got to play on now it's, it's it's really great and and tell me i guess you mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago i guess as kind of after those three or so years you sort of you started to move on and to kind of i guess use the degree that you had so how did you find that when you kind of hung up the professional tennis rackets and made, made the transition how how was that period for you yeah so my um uh i decided that because I had an American degree and it was still, we're talking about in 1993, that it wasn't that familiar unless you were working for an American company that they, they would recognize the American degree. So I decided to do a master's in information technology at University College London, which was for people that had a science background, but didn't have computer science knowledge. And it was at a time that um, I was advised that whatever I did in a career, I would have to um, become computer literate because I really hadn't done any computers up until that time. And um, I, I did the, it was a year long course and um, I did the course. It was half electrical engineering, half computer science. I must admit, going back to study after three years from being away from it, I, I did find quite hard in the beginning, but it was, it was back to that, I've done my tennis, I've now got to focus on, on kind of what next. So I must admit, I didn't really play that much tennis during that year. What I did find though, was I, I went to a careers fair in, in London when, when the, the, the summer of 1994, when I was finishing in September, and one of the stands was IBM. And the reason why I got drawn to IBM was they had a marketing campaign because they were they were working at Wimbledon. And instead of IMB for Wimbledon, the sticker had IBM. And so I immediately got attracted to that and was just curious. And really that started the process of, of having a little bit of an interview there and then, then kind of an interview day. And that was how I got into IBM. But the thing that was fascinating for me, um, and it's something that, you know, we, we should encourage, I think, a little bit more for all sports people was I was worried that I didn't have any work experience. You know, all my summers from the age of 14 were spent playing tournaments or, or traveling. 
And I, I just thought that I would really struggle to get a job. And during the IBM interview, and this, this was my first interview, they actually were very interested in my tennis, which I was surprised about because I thought they should be interested in my computer skills. But what has become apparent as I've gone through my career is that it's much more around what else have you got apart from your education? And the fact that you have been able to um, have a self-discipline, the, the motivation and focus in on one particular thing and become good at it and excel at it is extremely important in work because the, the, the big companies see that you have the ability to excel. So they know that they can actually train you and they can get you to excel in what they want you to excel. So rather than me thinking that tennis was, uh, um, or playing tennis was kind of, some people might say, oh, it's just a bit of fun, that the results and the achievements that I had actually helped me um, in my, my working career. So um, I think that it's really important that whatever people's interest is, if, if you can show that you excel in it, that's really important as you go in um, through your career and through life. Yeah, yeah, no, great. And obviously, as you say, great that the tennis experiences you had could kind of stand to you and then, you know, keep keep helping you as you got into that other other kind of world is is, yeah. is brilliant. And just to move forward a little bit again, I guess, back to tennis that I know more recently you have played some seniors in international tennis. So just tell me a bit about that. And I believe uh, a world champion. Right? Yeah. So, um, so, so, yeah, so I am um, I, I'm a big I always have goals and whether those are, are tennis goals or on a yearly basis or whether they're, they're kind of work goals. And when I was getting to um, the age of 35, which is where the, the veterans come into play, there was a couple of things that happened. One thing that happened was at work, I had done some jury duty and I was looking up the, the kind of the policy and procedure about jury duty. And I came across this couple of lines that said that IBM would give paid leave for representing Great Britain in an international sporting event. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then the other side was, um, so, so I, I, I'm Irish through and through, all my relations are Irish, my mom and my dad, they're both buried in Ireland. I'm never, that's never going to go away. If Ireland are playing England, um, I will always support Ireland. But because I was a bit of an outsider when I first started playing for Ireland, um, and this is before kind of Matt Doyle um, was playing for Ireland, I think there was a lot of kind of talk that people said that I really only played for Ireland because I couldn't make the, the GB team. So that's, that's not good to kind of give me, throw, throw me that, I get a bit stubborn. And so my goal was at 35 to try and make the GB seniors team. So I kind of set about myself, you know, practicing. And, and so from the age of 35 up until now, I've probably missed about three or four GB kind of world's team events or making the team. So, so over kind of like 20, 25 years, um, that's what's happened. So I, I do play for, for GB in the Vets. It's quite, uh, it's, we've also got Rona Howe at the place for um, the US in the Vets as well. So there's a few of us, but 
Um, you're right, the last time that the World Championships did happen in Portugal in 2019, um, myself and my partner, Teresa Catlin, won the ladies' 50s title. Um, and we actually beat Leslie O'Halloran and her partner. And it was, I mean, it was a, a, a huge joy but for us to win because I hadn't played with Teresa before. And also Leslie and her partner. I mean, Leslie has done amazingly well. And I, th I think they had won the world championships like four times before. So it was a strong partnership. So, um, so yes, I am very pleased to say that I am the, the current holder of the, the Ladies 50 Doubles um, World Championships. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And tell me, how, how would that kind of week or those kind of time, how, how would that compare to other experiences and other successes that you've had in, in tennis at other stages? Yeah, so, um, so it's always nice when it's a team rather than an individual. I think... Um, I think one of my kind of, when I look back, the, the successes that I, I treasure the most, um, especially playing in Ireland and for Ireland, is that I, I won the, um, the Irish Open in 1987. And I know Yvonne Doyle has won it since, but um, I believe that I'm the last Irish player to win at Fitzwilliam. So, so my name's up on the board as the last Irish player. So, so that was really special. I was 21 at the time and I wasn't expected to win it. And I was playing against Margaret Redfern who had won it before. So they were all achievements that, that kind of came a little bit out of the blue, but it was really special. And another couple of achievements that uh, again, are really special to me is that I played in the Irish clothes. Um, I played six years, a little bit um, before I went to America, but then I couldn't do when I was America. And then when I came back, and I've won the tournament five out of six times. The only time I've lost was to Leslie O'Halloran in 1992. So, so that's a big um, achievement for me because it's it's. It was quite hard playing Donnybrook when, you know, a lot of the, the people that play in Donnybrook that I was playing against, and they were always the most popular, but that actually probably spurred me on even more to try and win. So just having that record with the Irish clothes was, was really good. And then probably my favourite one that um, I like is that I actually won the under-21s at Sutton four times. And the, the last three times, it was before I turned 21. And Brendan, Brendan was the, um, he, he was the tournament organizer. And I, I cheekily said to him that the, the, the kind of second time I won, I said to him, um, if I was to win this three times in a row, can I keep the trophy? And he kind of, this is Brendan Quinn, um, and he, he laughed at me, but he never said yes or, or no. So I, I just kind of, you know, I was, I was very cheeky. And then when I won it the, um, the third year in a row, I'd kind of forgotten about it, but obviously, you know, I had said it. And at the, at the presentation, 
um, he actually gave me the trophy. So in my kitchen, as a memory, I still have the, the, the under 21 trophy, which is a beautiful trophy. And that will always be one of my happiest memories because I loved playing at Sutton. I loved the venue. I loved the people. I used to stay with Carmelo Sheen. And yeah, I just loved um, the, the whole kind of being in Sutton and playing at Sutton. It was one of my favorite tournaments. Yeah, no, amazing. And obviously winning that under 21s four times in a row is, is, is quite the achievement. So yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Siobhan, just a, a final question for you. I appreciate your time and I really enjoyed really enjoy talking. There's a final question for you is, what, what, what's your favorite thing about tennis? Um, I think the, the favorite thing is, is possibly kind of ties in with my logic brain. It's, it's really about working out how to play. I, I'm quite um, a tactical player in that I won't always play the same way and I will try to change it depending on who I'm playing. And so I think it's the, it's like a game of chess. You, you can go through the process and you practice, but you can't control what happens in the actual match. Um, and I like the fact that I don't know what's going to happen, but I like the fact I can try and work out what could happen. And I just, I've just found that through tennis, so many opportunities in life and it's also provided me with something that enables me to do everything I do on a day-to-day -day basis in that I feel that I am okay with being under pressure and tennis and having to play lots of tennis matches you you gain that confidence that even if things don't seem to be working around you that you you kind of have the confidence that you can get through this whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. No, great answer. Uh, Siobhan, as, as I said, huge thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time and, and sharing all your, your stories and, and experiences. Um, big thanks and all the best with, I guess, well, World Championships when they, when they next come around. When I'm not sure when that is. And all the best with everything. And um, yeah, no, big, big, big thanks to you. Big thanks once again to Siobhan for her time with this episode. I did really enjoy it and I hope you took something from it too. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, I've been Adam and goodbye. <laughs>